theme for this <coughs> evening's talk is exploring openness. In coming into the field of awareness and meditation, we quite often <coughs> come from the accumulated influences of the past upon the present. And what I mean by that is that in our turning of our attention to what is around us and what is in us, quite often the usual view that we have is that I am somebody who is living in a world in which there are lots of different things in this world. <clears throat> and we notice in ourselves, in our meditations, that at times our attention, quite strongly, and decisively, moves towards something which we are concerned about. And so what we have picked out in those moments matters to us, <clears throat> it's important to us, and the relationship gets established. Quite often, of course, what we are turning our attention to seems to be the issue, the thing itself. And sometimes and easily we forget that the relationship to it matters and to some, to quite some degree when you and I turn our attention to whatever it is we not only influence it, we consolidate it. We don't create it but we give it a thingness, we give it an issue in our life. So here we are living in this extraordinary situation of incredible diversity around us, inwardly and outwardly. We stop, we are still in the meditation, and we find, either purposefully or because of a compelling factor inside, our attention alights on something. And, that, and in its alighting upon, it becomes important for the self, for the I, for the me. The relationship gets established and we build up our sense of what matters and who we are through what our attention keeps alighting on. And so the end result is that we get defined, not easy, oh, so easy to follow this, but we get defined by the object that we attend to. I'm a parent, I have a child. Keep thinking about my children, the children confirm who I am as the parent. I'm a therapist, I keep thinking about my studies or my clients or, or whatever, it confirms me as a, a therapist or, or whatever it might be. So our sense, our mind keeps moving, it fastens on to whatever it might be, it gives substance to it, and it kind of mirrors back, and then, this is who I am. 
with the accompanying pleasures, the accompanying problems, the accompanying all the associations that go along with it. But what we see in experience is that the way we turn our attention to and what we alight on in our attention, all of that is being influenced by so many other things in our mind. So it's not like you and I, if we turn our attention to something in life or someone in life, that we come to it with a great deal of purity, so to speak, with a great deal of innocence, though that, of course, can happen. But sometimes we notice there's so much going on inside of us that it's, we need the outlet called something for what's going on inside of us to alight upon, to go to. So the object becomes an outlet for us. And then the outlet says, this is who I am. <clears throat> is that who we are? The object proving the I, proving the self, proving who I am as a person. Not only can it go to another person, therefore via, through a role, as we're hearing today in the inquiry, but also, and equally, it can go to an issue in life. It could be a health issue. It could be death. It could be change. It could be a meditation experience. It could be a stream of thoughts. It could be an attitude, it could be a state of mind, or whatever. So in this extraordinary world of all of this diversity that goes on, something stands out, it matters to us, it's made to matter. There's a response to it, sometimes it's like one part of the mind responding to another. And it gets consolidated and the thingness gets established. And with that the sense of identity comes. And also, we tend to believe that this is living in the real world. Self, things to be concerned about, to be concerned about some things more than other things. Sometimes we are glad we are, we are concerned about some things more, and sometimes we know we don't have to be so concerned about these things, etc. And sometimes we think we should be concerned about these things. And so there's selection going on, there's movement taking place, and our world is one of, think of thinking of it rather exclusively in terms of self and different things to be concerned about. And our life can kind of, often with struggle, but kind of move along those lines in which we view it as being the true reality. This we believe and imagine by the way we view as being the way things really are. Self and things to be concerned about. Self and that which affects me. Self and that... and the way I affect others, or things, or whatever, or ideas, or whatever. 
What if we introduced in our meditation and in our uh, awareness a way of looking and made it a little bit more open? Maybe deep down, so to speak, maybe that isn't really how things really are. It's the way what my mind has constructed over the years to think that's the way things are. Maybe it's the movement from the inner upon whatever that keeps giving substance to it. And therefore our claim, this is the real world. It isn't. When we go to the body, there's uh, a lot going on, um, inwardly and outwardly. And sometimes in the awareness of breath, or in the awareness of uh, bodily uh, life, usually, often, there's first very much identification with it, obviously. I am sitting here. Complete identification. I becomes the shorthand for body. I'm sitting here. Actually, I am not sitting here. Body is sitting here. But the identification moves very close. So the identification with body is one feature. Another, because of the way we speak, like saying the word body, gives it a certain thingness. It gives it a certain noun. Body. Sometimes the interest in the, as far as the meditation goes needs for us to be looked at sometimes to make a shift to see if we can explore in a different way what I have in mind is. Some of you will be sitting and finding it important and quite necessary to work on particular areas of the body because of pain which is arising. And one is feeling uh, the pain in the body. And placing the attention there, exploring it through, contributing to dissolving some of that pain, and that helping to have a more clear and relaxed relationship with uh, the bodily life. And of course all that is certainly part of practice uh, uh, here. But sometimes we need to explore and to, not just in terms of uh, ideas, but to really see through our experience, to really treat body as vibrational life, as organic existence, as nature. And that therefore the awareness, and through the awareness being open to it, turning the attention to this, and rather than perceiving it as a substance which exists and then doesn't exist there, to actually perceive and look at this in terms of an unfolding process. And therefore, each time we put our attention into the body and, and feel the body, to feel the vibrational life of the body, 
and importantly to really know it as a vibration. And every pulse, every throb, every tingle, every uh, itch, every pain, every warmth, every flow of the uh, energy, every movement of the body, every act of stillness, every health issue or, or whatever that is going on with us, that as it were when we get behind it, without the extra interpretation of it, good, bad, right, wrong, health, sickness or whatever, that we allow ourselves to get behind the interpretation. There's just this um, process of vibrational life which is going on. No more, no less. And to actually, in our meditations, to see how well and how clear and out how open we are to really seeing this organic life in this way again and again and making it very, very clear to us. And it's not something in life that um, we can understand, except rarely, without the actual experience. It's very easy for us to say, oh, body is just uh, organic life um, in the field of time, um, just vibrational elemental existence um, in the great uh, uh, river of existence. <laughs> Sounds very nice, poetic, uh, etc. But the descriptive factor is no substitute in any way for feeling that in the body. And therefore, and then letting the uh, awareness of the vibrational life of the body keep confirming that. And the, one of the important features of, of that is, of course, A, we're staying very much in touch with the body as a vibrational life force, or whatever we wish to call it. So we're not removed and distant because in our removal and distance, body becomes even more of a thing to worry about, to be judgmental about, etc. So the intimacy of the vibrational life keeps us at a deeper level. In keeping us at a, a deeper level, we are also, and it's, this is part of the openness and being aware of, it actually cuts through a lot of the very shallow, superficial interpretations we have about bodily life, which are layers upon that bare, bare actuality of bare vibration, including in that, of course, size, shape, colour, age, uh, uh, gender, health, sickness, appearances, and all of its diversity. In fact, it's all very much, even the health and sickness or the gender, all of that is very much the way of interpreting owing to a few little features in the body, which are just a little different from one or two other people's features. <laughs> and then that becomes a thingness for what? For the identity of self. So in the willingness to, as it were, get back behind all of that, to get back to the bare actuality, 
and run deeper in that, then the sense of body, as I say, as a vibrational life, or however we want to uh, uh, express it, is actually cutting through a lot of the division, the divisiveness, and the dissatisfaction, and the conflict and confusion, either between aspects of oneself, which one approves or disapproves of, or in relationship to other people, in terms of bodily life. We get infatuated with the, with the outer appearance, because we're not experiencing deeply enough, and clearly and regularly enough, that which gets behind it, which is to the bare elemental existence. And sometimes, and allowing ourselves moment to moment in the body awareness meditation to experience that again and again deeply, even though it might seem nothing is happening, I'm not having any great experiences, I'm not having any great insights, certainly not having any great enlightenment or, or whatever, it just seems like I'm sitting here and the body is vibrating, or I'm feeling energy in the body, so cells in the body, well, so what? But if we're willing to stay steady and get well established in that, it can have a significant effect on all, the, uh, all that goes on in viewing the body in aging process or gender activity or health activity or whatever. It puts a perspective on that because we've got somewhere deeper, something more, more stripped down, more bare, more simple, organic, elemental life. And if we can find that again and again and uh, know that well and deeply, as I say, it affects the whole sense of body as something and things or features of it to be obsessing or preoccupied with. And that contributes significantly to taking out the projections around body, the identification with body, the worry and the anxiety uh, around body, and generates an openness and an inner space out of natural human care and natural human respect and sensitivity to attending to that which is of bodily life. Eating, sleeping, walking, sitting, um, uh, care for the body, in uh, as contributions towards health, etc., etc. But one knows deep down through one's own experience, bodily life is an unfolding activity. So in our meditations, and in whether it's with with breath, which of course keeps reminding us of bodily life, whether. It's the very direct care and attention uh, to uh, bodily life. It, it, sometimes it needs from us that extra acknowledgement of what actually and simply and directly is going on that shows bodily life in its barest, barest elements. And Another factor which is important in all of that, an extraordinarily important one, of course, is that in that awareness with greater depth, there is genuinely less need and less arising of the I, of the self. The deeper we go, the less 
problematic of the self. So sometimes we see we went in a very ordinary everyday state of mind or whatever, whatever, looking in the mirror or, um, or, or fretting about or whatever. One can hardly describe it as being very deep into the nature of things. <laughs> you know, something sells one very clearly and adequately. Uh, adequately, there's something uh, very lightweight in us when we're involved uh, in that. And it means, therefore, in a kind of more lightweight mind, we fret about this part of the body or that part or the whole of it or how long we're going to live or whatever it is. And in that time, the I is present. The self is present. I am thinking about myself, my life, my body. So the I, in the most shallow end of things, keeps arising around these appearances, which I talked about briefly the other evening. Deep, deeper down, there's less sense and less feeling and less experiencing of the I keep arising. Buddha said, in the Satipatthana Sutra, that important statement, and Shada uh, yesterday evening was touching on the, these themes, that one sees the body. There is the body, and one sees the body just to the extent necessary. Just seeing the body, seeing the process of life, seeing the vibration of, of life, just to be open and clear to it. And if we explore that and, and, and let that be the simple actuality of that, be very, very clear for us, aging will not be a problem. Dying, much of the problem will go out of, out of that. Death, much of the problem will go out of that. The size and the scale of it as a problem for the self is in relationship to the degree that we hold, that we cling, that we have the idea of body as a thing which is me and which is mine and which is who I am. But if we've got a, a genuinely steady practice and, and allowing ourselves to uh, go deeper, the insights of that, even when, and the understanding of that, even when that um, access to that uh, depth of just simple vibrational life unfolding in the midst of the universe. Even the, the access of that has faded away. The understanding can stay well and clear at all levels of the being so that in situations which are suddenly life-threatening, some um, uh, difficult information comes to us, some uncertainty about next week, next month, uh, next year because of the condition of the body, which some of you know very, very well already uh, in here. That, that understanding correspondingly and simultaneously can come right through to us in that moment. It may express itself in terms of a, an uh, the awareness, of, which is of non-attachment to this is the unfolding moment-to-moment -moment process of life. It may communicate itself in some sense of this body 
is not me, not myself, not who I am. It comes from nature, it belongs to nature, it returns uh, to nature, and the holding and, and uh, clinging is not something that the body itself makes. And sometimes it's a very non-verbal, non-conceptual kind of understanding of this unfolding, revealing in this uh, universe in a way which takes the worry and the problem out. And therefore, some depths in our meditation not only matter for us in the very moment of the experience uh, of that, and even though sometimes we can't understand why it's so important for the consciousness to keep staying steady and registering itself in the deep vibration of bodily life, maybe we can't understand the importance of it. Maybe the understanding may not bear fruit in this time. But certainly the bearing of its fruit can come at any time. And sometimes one knows, let's say health and sickness as an example here, that some previous time in the past one was, would worry or panic or fears would come about getting sick or getting sicker or whatever and one has touched a deep place, and one can look back over the past and say, Good, there was a time when I'd be worried sick about what I'm feeling right now, and that's changed. So one is, something has come through, and there has, therefore has looked to, as body, as it were, more belonging to the nature of life, not to oneself. Without any expense of sensitivity, respect, care and support for. So this openness, this awareness and uh, uh, openness, in our uh, receptivity and uh, connection to it, also has another important feature as well. When, which we often forget and um, neglect, that when we keep viewing things of me in this world, going from one thing to another and that we keep looking at our life uh, in this way. Quite often, one thing to another seems very separate from each other. I was doing this and what, now in my meditations I've been having thoughts about shall I start this or do this, shall I make these changes in my life. And it really feels like a big break because I, that was what I was doing. I might continue, or I might do something completely different. And therefore I'm in a period of major transition. Oh. There's never been a major transition in the entire field of human existence. And yet one is convinced that one's the first exception. <laughs> so one is selected out as it were, the movement called something, which mattered to me or matters to me, mind has moved yet again and selected out something else, which seems very distant from and very disconnected from what I was doing. And in the day, the hours, the minutes, the meditations, we find getting consumed between what was or what is and what is or what might be. And 
there is, it seems like, a large gap between what was, what is, and what might be. And each of them seem to be a thing of themselves different from the other things. Who made the gap? Who convinced who that the gap is real? So the mind in its movement keeps making separations. The bigger the separations between one thing and another, the bigger the gap between, as it were, oneself and those things. And then we start struggling to find the language to convince us of the reality of the gap. As I say, I'm in a midlife crisis. I'm in a huge transitional period in my life. So the, 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 the scale of things in the mind, in the interpret, begin to build. And the bigger we build that, and the more we use emotive language to build it, the, great, the greater and higher it goes. I'm in a crisis. Where did the crisis come from? And so the gap has been made even, even bigger. And this world, in the world of crisis, transitions, gaps, or whatever, becomes our reality, we bore the heads of other people off. <laughs> Convincing them, especially Dharma teachers, <laughs> take note, this is to prepare us for tomorrow, and, uh, and there is a conviction and there's a kind of human mutual conspiracy that takes place that these things and these called issues are big, huge differences between them and therefore the reality. Hasn't anybody heard of interconnection, connectedness? Hasn't anybody heard of the web of life? Hasn't anybody heard of dependent arising? Has, hasn't anybody heard of the interdependence conditionality of things? Has that ever been said in this Dharma hall in 22 years? It's sometimes the teachings which point to that to save us from suffering because of the gaps and the big transitions and the life crises and all those things that we've made up. Beautiful teachings to save us from living in that painful nightmare or uh, dream world easily get forgotten and we can only see in terms of separations and therefore big leaps from one thing to another. And we forget the wonderful wisdom and the insight of the Buddha about interconnectedness, the web of life, Indra's net, interdependent arising, etc. Therefore, we, we endeavor not only to be uh, open to those things which are going on uh, with us, but once again attempting to explore 
and to allow ourselves to go deeper to see actually nothing is separate from anything else. How could it be? And why should we want to imagine that things really are separate from anything else? And the very fact that out of the same mind one thing can arise and something else can arise shows the inseparability of it. Come out of the same mind in this case. And if we can sense that even within our, our mind, shallow and deep and vast uh, uh, as it is, that one, everything that's going on in the mind is interrelated and is interconnected and there is no gap there and there is no crisis there. And we don't have to believe in that interpretation. Because we're open to it. We're open to looking deeper. We're open not to just going along with conventional agreements. Whether at the physical level or whether at the uh, uh, inner um, mental emotional level. That we sense that in the deeper we go, the, the, the clearer the truth will be to us. And there's something freeing and, and wonderful about it. There are periods, periods in the meditations, periods in the day, when there is a, and as some of you have reported as well, a sense of uh, uh, openness. One is not struggling with the body, that the health issues, whatever, or posture issues, or pain issues are, are, are not a priority. There's not a, a neglect or a, a, a avoidance or denial of them or whatever. But one is at a genuinely deeper uh, uh, level, and there is a, an openness which has a receptivity to it. And in that receptivity, we're feeling that perhaps the whole, all the way through the being, general sense of the vibration, the pulse of the life force, we experience uh, uh, a certain clarity and uh, stead steady awareness uh, inwardly. And of course, in those periods, such periods, and in those times, we may just take it for granted. There may just be a short-lived appreciation of that. My sitting and walking today, a really lovely period, and uh, very steady and calm and uh, clear. Just felt the, uh, the, the, the body, the vibration of life uh, there, the vibration of life in the great field of life uh, there. And felt inwardly um, clear and and alert, and generally present, etc. Sometimes we just experience those experiences, shorter or, or, or longer, they fade, and then perhaps some issue begins to arise. You know, we find ourselves thinking, thinking a lot, and then maybe the thinking becomes a thing to get rid of or to change, or what we are thinking about, or, or whatever pain arises in the body and we put our attention into that or whatever. But again, in the meditations, we may forget 
and we may neglect as a result that the periods of, and moments when we are sitting or walking or just being in the day and there's just a sense of awareness of life, a general sense of vibration of life, the being of life there, we may forget that one of the significant aspects in those very moments is that we are not asking, nor demanding, nor wanting anything anywhere. Not reaching out to what? To anything. The self has got no interest in anything. But we're not dull, not bored, not, uh, uh, the self is not caught, caught up in any of those unsatisfactory mind states. Rather the reverse, we're aware, we're alive, we're alert, we're, we're open, we're, we're steady, we're receptive. We're acknowledging bodily life, the moment, the, the day. And there's nothing which we are asking for. And our whole personal history has no relevance. Name, age, what we've done, the knowledge we've accumulated, the university we went to, who we live with, who we don't live with, or whatever. It's just no relevance. So the personal has dropped out of the picture altogether there is just that openness that receptivity there and it, we are utterly undemanding there's none of that construction of self uh, involved in the way that I just described and it feels right it feels clear it feels genuine it feels authentic it feels being right in touch. And the self, all its constructions and its personality issues and its past and its present, has no relevance. And it's not that that experience is completely foreign and alien to us. It can be confirmed regularly, as it does for plenty of you, in the meditation, no wanting, no demanding, no looking, no searching, the sense of presence is there, and, as I say, it genuinely feels right. Now, surprisingly, we want to recover that. We want to recover that experience and that knowing and that understanding in which the I, me, and my is not in the center of the stage. Perhaps in that depth, in which there's neither wanting nor demanding, perhaps therein there is much naturally to be discovered, which can't be found through the self reaching out and wanting and striving and demanding because it keeps running out to things, it keeps running out to ideas, it keeps running out to issues, it keeps running and creating gaps of conflict and crisis, etc., so the movement of the mind, which is constantly going to, in and on itself, or in and out to, seems utterly inappropriate. And therefore there's a, a silence, an openness, a receptivity, a stillness, a, a steadiness. The self has no place to play, it's got nowhere to go, it's got nothing that it can do 
nothing that it can manufacture in any way, and one senses, as I said, the authenticity of it, because one doesn't want or demand anything. Perhaps the true nature of things is realizable, that means made real, therein. And if in the, the discoveries and realizations that can come, maybe our view of self, thing, body, other, separation, maybe loses its reality for us. And all the problems that go along with it. Therefore, our depth is our liberator. Our depth is our awakening. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings touch the deep and the wonderful. May all beings know a free and open life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.